0: Hey, good morning, everyone. Welcome to season six, episode three of the Roast West Coast Coffee Podcast. I'm Ryan Wolt, and this is the show where I bring you the stories of coffee professionals, entrepreneurship, and coffee education. We are back this week with Eddie Alaniz of Coffee Conspiracy Company. He's the founder of this unique mobile coffee bike that specifically features cold brew coffee, originally from other roasters but he recently transitioned his company into a full-on coffee roastery. If you want to see photos of the coffee bike while you're listening today, follow and check out at Coffee Conspiracy Co. on Instagram, or just check out the show's newsletter, or head to the show's newsletter on RoastWestCoast.com. At RoastWestCoast.com, you can also read the Bean Journal, which recaps my visits to coffee shops and roasteries all over the place. You can also find links to the guests on this show, and see more coffee content, like the -the behind-the-scenes videos that Steady State Coffee Roasting, one of our industry partners, recently launched on their YouTube page. It sounds like I'm giving you a lot of directions, and that's because I am. This is a very interactive, engaging podcast, and I'm gonna give you one more. Make sure right now that your coffee cup is full, either with cold brew or a hot coffee or a latte or a cappuccino. Whatever type of coffee it is that you like the best, that's what you should be drinking while you listen to this interview with Eddie Alanese, founder of Coffee Conspiracy Company. Well, it's really nice to meet you. Uh, I certainly appreciate you taking some time in the middle of the afternoon. Uh, Welcome to the West Coast Coffee Podcast. Would you do me a favor and just for the tape... What your name is, what your company is, and what your favorite Ninja
1: Turtle is. Absolutely. My name's Eddie Alaniz. I'm the owner and founder of Coffee Conspiracy. I'm based out of Santa Cruz, California. Favorite Ninja Turtle would have to be Michelangelo. He was the raddest. (laughs) If you were
0: to say that you were like a Ninja Turtle, which one would it be?
1: Probably Michelangelo. Because
0: I like Michelangelo, but I think I'm probably more of a Donatello. All right. Yeah, yeah. I want to jump into this right away, but I want to learn a little bit more about you before we start talking about your company, Conspiracy. Did you have a first experience with coffee where you thought, you know what, this is kind of interesting. I'm going to see where this goes. Or do you have any of those coffee memories that kind of got you started on the path you're on now?
1: Uh, Yeah, 100%. I've been in and out of the coffee industry for about 20 years now first job was with pete's coffee uh god probably back in 99 98 this was like pre-syrups pre-fredo's it was like straight up classic coffee shop style they weren't doing anything blended yet that was my first job in coffee when i first fell in love with the coffee industry for sure i was with Pete's for maybe three years and i just loved I love the culture. I love the people I that, that I met and the conversations that I would have. You always meet really interesting people in coffee shops. Have you been in
0: coffee then since then? Since '99, or did you take a detour?
1: I took a detour. I worked at Whole Foods for 14 years. Oh wow. But even when I worked even when I worked with Whole Foods, I always kept a part-time job here and there at a coffee shop just to keep my foot in the door.
0: Very cool. Always up in that Santa Cruz area where you are now, or were you elsewhere in the world?
1: Uh, In the San Jose area, so over the hill, as they say.
0: So then you're at Pete's, then you're at Whole Foods, 14 years. Uh, That's a long time to be in any career. What made you decide? Yeah, what made you decide to move on from there? It seems like at that point you'd be pretty well established.
1: Definitely. I just got tired of it. I got tired of the of the grind at Whole Foods. And I left coincidentally at a good time. I jumped out like two years before Amazon ended up acquiring them. And I still have friends that work there. And it's a totally different company. I worked at five different stores, two different regions, Los Angeles being the most recent region. I just grew tired of it. It was just, just felt like it was time to move on and do something different.
0: So that would take us back, what, five years ago,
1: give or take? Let's see, I left Whole Foods, gosh, probably a decade, almost a decade ago.
0: Okay, so I, I know from being very strenuous about research, uh, which means I looked at your Instagram earlier, that you're coming up yeah. on a, a roughly a two-year anniversary at Conspiracy. Uh, what Two were you years doing with
1: Coffee Conspiracy. With yeah.
0: Coffee Conspiracy. What were you doing in yeah. that in-between time between Whole Foods and getting to your own business?
1: So when I left Whole Foods, I jumped into the restaurant and cafe space and I got into I got back into the into the cafe and coffee world and I was managing cap jumping around managing cafes and restaurants in Los Angeles. And then I got into some consulting work where I was a consultant for a few barista programs that would help restaurants build out their coffee programs, overhaul coffee programs for coffee shops.
0: Okay. And then so that takes us up to roughly similar time period with COVID launching, what tipped you over to make you think I'm going to do my own thing. I'm going to pursue my own business, my own coffee bike. Uh, I'll let you explain that in a minute. Like, but what was the motivator to say now is the time?
1: It was actually COVID. So I was living in Los Angeles. All my family relocated to Santa Cruz. I was looking to leave LA I'd been there for about 10 years. It just kind of felt like my time was up there. I was ready for a change, different change of pace and lifestyle. So I took a job with a roasting company to move back home to Santa Cruz. And I started with that company October 31st, 2019. And then a few months later came the came the great shutdown. And I'd always been wanting, ever since I worked at Pete's, I always dreamed of having my own coffee company. It just always seemed super daunting on like, where do you even start to build a brand or build a coffee company? So it was something, it was always something in the back of my mind, but nothing I actively pursued. And then when COVID came and the lockdowns came, I got laid off um, from the coffee, the coffee industry. And we had the federal aid stimulus package coming in and I was staying with my mom at the time I moved back home and I was living on mom's couch. It was only supposed to be momentarily, but then lockdowns came. So I stayed on her couch during lockdowns. So I wasn't paying rent, I had money coming in from the state and something just hit me and I thought this is my time to build a business model. This is my time to come out of lockdown doing something for myself. Hence coffee consent, hence the birth of coffee conspiracy. Well,
0: I want to talk about the name um but bef- yeah, before I do that, I actually want to ask you um while you were doing that planning, uh, the thinking about it, uh, you, your business mm-hmm. is based on a coffee bike. You are out Correct. in the world. You have this bicycle where you're yep. making your coffees and your cold brews and you're doing all this stuff. What? Why the bicycle?
1: I chose the bicycle because for a few reasons. One, the overhead seemed small. I was looking at doing a coffee truck perhaps, but it was so expensive to do a coffee truck. And I And A, I didn't have the capital to do a coffee truck. And B, I thought, you know, it's best to find something low overhead for starting a brand just to get my feet wet and see if I have something that I can grow. And since everything was locked down and you could only be outdoors, I live in a beach community. The bike just seemed kind of fitting for the beach vibe. And I also kind of felt that if people could at least go for a walk and get a cup of coffee, life might seem a little more normal than it was since everything. For a while, I was the only business that was in operation in Santa Cruz. How
0: did you find this coffee bicycle? It's a, more of a tricycle.
1: It's more of a trike, yeah. I just uh, actually just Googled coffee carts and I just started going down a rabbit hole looking at images and I saw someone doing a bike and it was, it was an ad for the company that I got the bike from. And I saw it and I thought, that's perfect. Super simple, cold brew, one product, which I found it's always easier to just focus on one one product and do it super well, as opposed to doing a bunch of different things. Um, And the weather in Northern California is pretty great for the most part. Our winters are fairly mild. So I thought cold brew would be a good all year drink that I could do outdoors.
0: So, and let's just make sure that people understand that. So if I come to the, the coffee bike and you're there, you're just serving cold brew. You're not serving pour overs or espresso.
1: Just doing, I'm doing nitro cold brew. No pour overs. I don't do anything. It's just because all that would require electricity and, you know, which serves a whole nother issue. I do nitro cold brew and now I, I actually do, um, oat lattes on draft.
0: Oh, cool. Um, very interesting. Your company's named coffee conspiracy. What, where, how did you settle on that name and that branding? And what does that mean? Um, just kind of running through some of the things that I know about your, your business beforehand, you're getting a reputation for having that conspiracy part of your name. And I see it in your, you reference conspiracy sometimes in your social media. What What was the motivator?
1: I'm a longtime conspiracy theorist. I've been into secret societies since high school. My dad got me into it. He, w- he was really into conspiracy. So I started going down the rabbit hole at a young age and just researching odd topics and government programs and secret programs. And um, when I was Thinking about branding and how I wanted to position myself, I wanted to do something that was really authentic to me and who I am and something that I could really have fun with and get creative with when it came to marketing. To be honest, I feel like to a degree, a lot of brands and coffee are very similar. A lot of things look the same. Like I I hear time and time again from customers that my bag really stands out, the branding really stands out, and that a lot of times when you go to the store and you line up coffee bags, they all have a very similar feel. They all look, they all look alike. The coffee industry can be very ultra whitewash and ultra PC, which is totally fine. But I wanted to do something that was a little different, a little more punk rock. Something that kind of had a, a do it yourself, DIY feel.
0: I have to ask then, is there a, a conspiracy that I should be aware of that maybe I'm not that you're letting, that you are aware of, uh, in the coffee world?
1: Um, a conspiracy that relates to coffee or just a conspiracy in general? I would say, is there any conspiracies that relate to coffee? Let's start there. Any conspiracies that relate to coffee? No really juicy ones that I've come across, for sure, yeah, unfortunately. Part of the conspiracy at the beginning, too, was that the, I started as a multi-roast concept, so every few weeks the roaster would change on the bike.
0: How does that relate to the conspiracy part? I don't quite follow.
1: Just that it was always something different on the bike, so it always had people questioning what was going to be coming next. I like that, that
0: people are questioning what's happening, Uh, which actually leads me to some questions about how you engage with customers. I mean, if you're on a bike, that means I'm assuming you're not necessarily in the same spot every day. How do people find you? How did you get the word out when you first started and everything was locked down? I went to coffee places I already knew
1: during the early days of COVID. So how did you get that word out
0: and get those first customers?
1: I started out just pedaling my own neighborhood and it just I just pedaled around every single day and would just stop and talk to people and people were curious about what I was doing on a bike. And then after a couple of months, I actually ended up, I would pedal the bike maybe about seven miles. And where I parked, I've actually parked the bike every day in the same spot for the last year and a half. And there's a cliff area where all the surfers go and people do their daily walks. And it's very community driven and community based. It's the community of East Cliff in Santa Cruz. And so I strategically embedded myself in the community and I've been parking the bike in the exact same spot for a year and a half. And I basically have just built a following super organically, completely word of mouth and through the Instagram platform.
0: With your business being mobile, you you don't have any food, you don't have any water, you don't have any electricity. Do you need right. to get permitted or you're essentially retail?
1: Business permit, health permit, city permit. And then I've been fighting the county back and forth. They have a new permit for me for being specifically on the pathway that I've been parking my bike. There's been some other local businesses that have kind of popped up on the pathway. So now I think the county's starting to catch on that people are running businesses over there so they have a new permit now that I've been going back and forth with them on where they want ten percent of my gross income
0: wow every that's month. a chunk
1: yeah it is it is a chunk yeah and, it, and it's gross too so and they want to audit me so I've been going back and forth with them on that one but uh I think I found a loophole so <laughs> wow,
0: good for you um yeah yeah, yeah. You, You've been growing organically. Uh, do you think that your business would have taken off had we not been in the coronavirus? Had it been, say, a year before or a year after uh, people stopped being locked down? Do you think that helped you or hurt you?
1: I think it helped me. I think it helped me because I think it was a good a good recipe at the time because people could only be outdoors. So the foot traffic was like quadruple what it normally is on any given day. So I had a lot of people finding out out about me very, very quickly. And I think that people really respected the fact that I was taking that leap of faith and taking that chance of starting a business during lockdowns. It was a pretty bold move. So I think it actually helped the business grow in a sense, because people were really blown away by the fact that I was taking that chance and getting out there and putting myself out there.
0: Did you have any concerns just about being so uh, public-facing during the early days of coronavirus?
1: I did not, no. I was never worried about it now.
0: You mentioned this earlier that you were switching roasters, uh, at least at the beginning. Are you still doing that? And how did you decide who you wanted to serve? Like how did you pick these roasteries? I'm assuming uh based on the fact that you're a small business, that you were probably looking for
1: other small businesses to support. A hundred percent, yeah. So I would just search a lot of coffee companies we're on my radar already from being in, in the industry, but I started to just do research and look for micro roasters and little hidden gems in the coffee world. Kind of the idea behind it at first was that everyone in town knows their own local roaster. Like we've got Verve and Cat and Cloud and 11th hour. They're all pretty well known in the coffee world, but there's so many roasters that most people never get to hear about. So I would try to find little hidden gems in the coffee world and put them on the bike. And, um, Eventually, it it caught some traction through hashtagging, and I started to get a lot of small micro roasters finding out about me and seeing me get reposted from other coffee companies. So I started to get people reaching out to me, trying to get on the bike and sending me coffee samples.
0: With that, are you still doing that kind of model where you're serving other people's coffee, or have you started your own roasting or your own branding uh, of coffee or partnerships?
1: I actually dropped that model in November and I started sourcing and roasting all my own coffee. So now I have my own line of single origin coffees under the Coffee Conspiracy label, which was always a goal to work up to.
0: Yeah. Did you have coffee roasting experience before that or were you learning that on the fly
1: as well? I was learning that on the fly and luckily I had a a connection that I met through Coffee Conspiracy. When I was doing the multi-roast concept, I featured a brand out of San Francisco who started over the pandemic and they're called bird and bear coffee. Um, Super cool guy that owns it. His name's Dan and he's been in and out of the coffee industry for 15 or 16 years. And he's been a roaster for a decade and he took me under his wing and I roasted side by side with him. And I just started going solo recently.
0: If you just started recently, is that because you feel like you've gotten to a point where your coffee stands, stands up on its own? I'm assuming if you're serving it, but also uh, did you, do you feel confident in that what you're putting out there is at a certain level? Like what, what did it take for you to feel that way?
1: Yeah. So we, me and him worked side by side and built out uh, roasting profiles together. And once I was comfortable uh, getting in the flow of roasting and breaking everything down and learning about the profiles and operating all the machinery, I slowly, he slowly started to take that step back little by little until I was flying solo. And I'm, Although I'm still learning all the time, I'm really confident in the coffee that I'm roasting for sure. And
0: that coffee is then being served as cold brew.
1: It is. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm running my line. I'm turning it into cold brew. I rotate the taps depending on what I'm roasting. And then most recently I started batching espresso concentrate. So now I can do iced oat lattes on draft.
0: To me, it sounds like a lot of like, it's not just the coffee roasting and then the branding and the marketing. It's also kind of learning the engineering of how your coffee bike works and, and how you're serving that, which is a whole nother kind of skill set. You wrote something recently that I saw, and I'm just going to read it so I don't screw it up, but you wrote, the bike changed my life. It gave me purpose. It gave me community, discipline, and a creative outlet. And I kind of want to ask you, uh, not a kind of, I do want to ask you, coffee as an artistic expression, uh, as a way to be creative, What, how does... How is it creative to you? And why do you think the bike changed your life?
1: The bike changed my life because it allowed me to apply my passions and create a living for myself. I've made it two years without a boss and I'm able to, as of the last year, I'm able to sustain myself in life. And I moved out of my mom's house. I'm renting a room. I can, I can afford to live my life off of the bike and, uh, It just really helped me focus in on my passion and really showed me how consistency is key to everything in life. Like I, every day, I was out seven days a week for six to eight months. When I first started, I never took a day off and just pounding the pavement grew this organic following. And it's been such a cool experience to see the brand grow and evolve and move on from multi-roasting to roasting my own line. So really the bike just fueled my passion and let me make a living off of something that I love doing. Like I found the one thing that doesn't feel like work. A lot of times when I'm out there serving and selling coffee, feels like the bonus, definitely. And it's allowed a big creative outlook, a creative output for me. I do all my own branding. I do all my own marketing. So it's really fun coming up with these ideas and coming up with the labels for all my products.
0: What is something that you've kind of learned from working in the industry, leaving it and then coming back that maybe has surprised you or, or, or something that you learned over the last two years? So you had to learn the hard
1: way that you weren't expecting. That I wasn't expecting. One, one, one thing I learned was the, the real sense of community the coffee world has and how many people want to see you succeed. I learned really quickly on the bike that most people are inherently good. Most people want to see you succeed. I reached out to a lot of different companies that I'd never met before asking questions about coffee, cold DMing people and other business and entrepreneurs. And I never had anybody not respond to me and offer me advice or try to help me in one way or the other, which I thought was really cool.
0: Yeah, I actually have a similar experience uh, just with this show, uh, which started about the same time as your company, um, in that when I reached out to people, regardless of any commonalities we might have or not have, most people were excited to be, to engage and talk about coffee or to share a cup of coffee with me, uh, which is something I... I have seen in other industries, but not maybe as overwhelmingly as I have uh, over the last two years. If you are out, I mean, you're serving cold brew, but if you're going out into the world and you're going to stop somewhere else and have a cup of coffee, what do you order for yourself?
1: I usually do a pour over. I will grab a cold brew or at least get a taste of it no no matter where I am, just to see what other people are working with. But my go-to is either a pour over or a Breve Cappuccino.
0: With the cold brew that you're serving, have you thought about yeah, doing packaged cold brews, canned cold brews to go or anything like that, which is becoming just so popular down here in, in uh, Southern California?
1: I've thought about doing it, but it creates a whole, nother, a whole nother mess of permits dealing with the county. It's it's can get expensive and it's a lot of work too. I started doing some bottles at the beginning, but as a one-man show, it's a lot of work for not... A lot of payoff in my opinion i've looked into getting mass-produced bottles and the price per bottle isn't a lot but you have to order like ten thousand bottles at a time right like you have to be able to do pallet drops like i have i'm a small company so i don't have the infrastructure to do things like that
0: well and it's not just uh the the cost of ordering it it's what do you do with it when they arrive (laughs) where where do you store them where do they go
1: Exactly. And I started doing some bottles at the beginning, but they were plastic and I don't care for plastic. And I just felt like it was creating a lot of unnecessary waste. So I do offer growlers. I do gallon growlers that people can come back and refill. And I do half gallon growlers and that's done pretty good. But it's really about trying to push people out to the bike.
0: What is something that we didn't cover that you want people to know about you or your brand uh, or, or about what's coming next for Coffee Conspiracy Company?
1: I've got some really cool things in the lineup. I'm going to be headed to LA coffee fest in a couple weeks. It's going to be my first time being on the main stage of the coffee world, which is super exciting for me. I'm going to be brewing, uh, with the ground control team. Are you familiar with ground control? I am. Yes. Yeah. So I have a ground control unit and that's what I use to produce my, my cold brew and my ice latte. So I'm going to be rocking with them at the booth in LA coffee fest. So that's super exciting. I do have a website where I ship coffee all over the country, and i am like, been building a big ad marketing campaign that I'm going to be doing to attack the e-com space. That was kind of the idea with dropping my own coffee line was, how can I scale this business is kind of how I've been thinking the last year. And I don't want a brick and mortar. I've ran enough cafes to where it's not really my passion, and I really don't want multiple bikes with multiple employees because that just has its own set of headaches. So the only the next logical thing for me was try to put some man hours into scaling a business online. And I see what people are doing in the e-com world. And it it blows me away with how, what kind of businesses people are building in a short amount of time. Um, so launching my own coffee line was to really do an e-com play. So one of the things I've been working on is trying to pivot the branding and the marketing as to where the website is the business i'm a a direct-to-consumer coffee brand but then i do pop-ups around town to promote the brand because right now i kind of feel like it's the opposite where because i was for a long time just a guy on a coffee bike and so when people go to the website look at the instagram i feel like it can be a little confusing like is this guy on a bike trying to sell things online so i'm really trying to pivot the branding to where the website is the brand and then i and then the bike is just popping up and promoting the brand
0: very interesting. Yeah, you're you're doing the labor intensive part now, and uh, trying yeah. to transition into the part where it's not that it's not labor intensive. It's just it's a different type of business model where you are you're making money while you sleep. People are shopping whether you're out on the bike or not, or whether the weather's good or Absolutely, not. Absolutely,
1: yeah. Building some passive income, you know.
0: Before I let you go, actually, that just uh, reminded me of another question. I've actually run a business that was predicated on being out in a mobile space. Weather, even in California, was such a driver of our success. Have you noticed that at all? Or how do you deal with it when, say, the weather is bad or windy or rainy? Um, we're coming into the winter season. How do you prepare for that?
1: During the rainy season, if, if it's raining, I just ch- take it up as a loss. It's a day off. I'll try to create some content, go visit a coffee shop, do some marketing uh, on a cold day. I'm always surprised on a cold day how much cold brew I'm actually able to sell. A lot of times people just want to get some caffeine in them. And uh, if cold brews your jam, then cold brews your jam. I've worked at so many cafes where it can be dumping rain and we're still slaying in ice drinks like like there's no tomorrow. Um, so even on a cold day, I have, really have no problem selling coffee.
0: Could you ever envision yourself going back to work for someone else?
1: Never. No, <laughs> not at all. I just had this conversation with my wife a, a a week ago and I just can't do it. And not only could I not do it just because of the creative freedom that I have, I don't like the whole brick and mortar thing. I've been outdoors in the sunshine and fresh air for two years slinging coffee. I don't know if I could go back inside under fluorescent lighting and just being almost like trapped in a box you know it is
0: definitely a different lifestyle eddie i i really appreciate you taking some time to chat with us and and i certainly wish you the best of luck uh with the bike and i'm looking forward to seeing what you're doing next uh thanks for joining the show
1: hey thank you so much for having me that's a really cool opportunity i enjoyed chatting with you
0: okay to recap COVID was the inspiration for Eddie to take on the challenge of starting a new business. He wanted to keep it simple to see if he had the right concept and even the right internal motivation. After examining his options, he decided to offer cold brew from a mobile cafe built onto a bicycle. Eddie came by his company name, Coffee Conspiracy Co., honestly. He's a self proclaimed true conspiracy theorist, a hobby passed down from his dad. In some very quick internet sleuthing, I found a few coffee conspiracies, including one that the FBI is actually hiding the true origin of coffee, which the author claims happened right here in the United States. We've told the story of Caldy the goat herder on this show before, so I would say that seems a little suspect. Eddie's first days on the bike were spent uplifting other coffee companies, and then it was the willingness of another roaster who mentored him that enabled Eddie to begin offering his own coffee for sale both on the bike and online. It seems to be the rule, not the exception, that many in the coffee industry go out of their way to lend a hand to those who are on the come up. Finally, Eddie mentioned that his go-to coffee order may include a Breve Cappuccino. I don't think that we've defined Breve drinks in the past on this podcast. Breve is an Italian word for short or brief, and Breve coffee drinks are espresso with steamed half and half instead of milk. The half-and-half, which is usually a mix of whole milk and cream, creates a rich velvety microphone and a naturally added sweetness. If you just order a brevet, your barista will likely default to a latte, so be sure to be specific. If you're listening and you have a coffee conspiracy theory, I'd love to hear it here, and I hope I don't regret saying that, but send it to at roastwestcoast and at coffeeconspiracyco on Instagram or leave a comment on the newest newsletter post featuring this episode of the podcast, which you can find on roastwestcoast.com. Check out coffeeconspiracy.co to see what coffees Eddie is currently offering online and as cold brew on the Mobile Bicycle Cafe in Santa Cruz. You probably already know where all the links I just mentioned are, but just in case, check the show notes and roastwestcoast.com. Which is also where the coolest people subscribe to both the free and paid newsletter. This is a listener supported, reader supported coffee podcast. Subscribe to be part of that coffee community, enabling this program to keep growing. It's all you and our industry partners, including Cafe Letter, Mostert Coffee Company, Steady State Coffee Roasting, Camp Coffee Company, Coffee Cycle Roasting, Ignite Coffee Company, First Light Whiskey, Morea Coffee, Cape Horn Coffee Importers, and Ascend Coffee Roasters. If you're listening to this show right after it drops on Wednesday morning, I'm already working on the next episode, and I'm probably literally drinking an Ascend Coffee Roaster single origin right now at Old Cal Coffee in San Marcos, California. Thank you all for listening and supporting this show. A special shout out to Brent. Your comments and contribution last week were a really nice pick-me-up at the end of a long podcasting day. Thank you. To everyone else, don't forget to check out the newsletter, and thank you for using your power to support craft coffee. This episode of the Roast West Coast Coffee Podcast is, was, has been written, produced, and recorded by me, Ryan Walt. I hope this episode has found you happy, healthy, and with at least enough sanity to make it through the day. Always tip your baristas, and be sure to drink good coffee. everyone, if you like the Roast West Coast Coffee Podcast, you might also appreciate the I Like Beer the Podcast. Listening to these guys is like being a fly on the wall of the pub with a few of your favorite mates having a pint. These professional beer appreciators have plenty of stories to share on everything from the mating habits of penguins to their behind-the-scenes brewery experiences. Check out the I Like Beer the Podcast wherever you are listening to this show about coffee or head to ilikebeerthepodcast.com.